Well, I'm back. This is going to be an evening edition. So this morning I recorded um, a podcast about hitting the wall. And I wanted to to continue with that, to, to do a quick follow-up while things were still fresh on my mind. And I realized that as I talked about um, coming up against obstacles um, as you progress and you know, various uh, disciplines or, you know, whatever it may be, sports or music or whatever, that there was a lot more that was a whole, there was a whole untapped um, chapter that I wasn't going to have time to finish today. And so I wanted to kind of follow up on that while I was still thinking about it. So I guess I'll record that on my way home this evening and we'll see how that turns out. Um, Sorry, I'm in a tunnel stopped at a stoplight, so it's a little bit noisy right now. I don't know if you can hear. We had a car go by with a sports muffler on it that was just going crazy, so that's what you're hearing. Uh, So, to recap, last time I talked about the fact that there we come up against obstacles, and there seem to be times in our progression... Uh, in various things, and whether it's spiritual or I suppose it could be relationships, uh, it could be skills that you're working on. I talked about how uh, as a musician I had various breakthroughs, which meant I came up against obstacles. I come, came to a point where things seemed to stop and, and progress seemed to halt, uh, but then suddenly, uh, for whatever reason, the walls came down and I was able to go forward and that that happens a lot with young people I think uh, that was me in college uh, it's almost like uh, the idea of critical mass that that something something will at some point get to the perfect size to where it must transform into something else there's a critical mass point um, where the pressure builds up, builds up, builds up, and so far nothing's leaking, nothing's leaking, but the pressure continues to increase, but the time comes when the pressure must be released, and the vessel that is containing the pressure will give way at its weakest point. Uh, And that's kind of the idea of critical mass. Well, a breakthrough is sort of similar, but I suppose the positive, uh, the positive aspect of that, um, you know, kind of the, the idea of overflowing. You know, you put trickle water into a cup and trickle, 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 but you know, it's such that nothing is coming out of the cup, right? Nothing is. Something is. Um, nothing's coming out of the cup. The water trickles in, trickles in, trickles in. But eventually it'll get full and it it will come out, right? That'll be the critical mass point to where there's no more room for things to go in and so it will come out. And there's a positive way to look at that as well as a negative. You know, you can think of that as a negative way. But the, the image that I came up with was the image of properly roasting meat. So... 
maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but I am somewhat of an aficionado in barbecue, uh, and specifically in smoking meats low and slow, uh, whether, whether it be turkeys, which is what I cut my teeth on, uh, or more recently pork shoulders and uh, all kinds of big, big pieces of meat that need to be cooked, uh, low, low temperature and very slow and there's something that happens in that process take a, a pork shoulder for example which is probably where most of my expertise lies a pork shoulder is generally somewhere around at least the ones we can get in, we can get in japan are somewhere around five or six pounds probably at the largest something like two kilos some of them are a little bigger than two some of them are a little smaller but something like five pounds and the meat is such, it's a shoulder. And so a shoulder is a uh, bundle of all different kinds of muscles, right? There's many kinds of muscles in the shoulder. But the shoulder is also a uh, high work area. It's not, a, it's not a part of your body that doesn't get much work. The shoulder is working every day, every waking hour. So basically, when a pig is standing up, or when it's running, or when it's eating, uh, as long as it's awake uh, and it's on its feet, the shoulder is working. And so it's a very tough piece of meat. It's got lots of muscles, uh, and the uh, uh, grain of those muscles going all different ways. It has lots of connective tissue between the muscles, uh, and the ones we get here in Japan, the bones have been removed. Some pork shoulders obviously in the states have uh, the bones still in there uh, I think it's basically the shoulder blade and some uh, some part of the bone that connects to the shoulder blade but it's a a heavily worked muscle and so it's it's quite uh, tough it's not a tender muscle like say the pork belly uh, pork belly has some muscle and quite a bit of fat and it's a much more tender muscle that's what we use for bacon but the shoulder is a group of muscles a tightly knit group of muscles with various uh, connective tissue as well as um, very tough muscles so it must be cooked low and slow if it's going to be enjoyed now I'm from St. Louis and in St. Louis they actually cut the shoulder into thin slices and make what they call pork steaks out of it uh, if it's if it's sliced thin enough, you can enjoy it as a pork steak. Um, but generally speaking, the pork shoulder is a tough piece of meat, uh, which makes it less expensive, but also harder to cook. Excuse me. But in the process of cooking a pork shoulder, let's say we have a two kilo pork shoulder. Generally speaking, if you go low and slow, which is considered 225 degrees Fahrenheit if you cook it at 225 it's going to take probably between 7 and 10 hours depending on the specific piece of meat and in that time it's not a consistent cook it's not a consistent elevation and temperature okay so when you put the meat on it will go up in temperature fairly quickly in the beginning and maybe for the first three to four hours, it will 
fairly consistently rise until it gets to a point, until it gets to around 160 degrees. And this holds true for a lot of, uh, of these kinds of meat. Uh, brisket comes to mind, beef brisket. And when it hits about 160, between 160 and 170, suddenly the temperature refuses to rise. It, it holds its temperature for a long time. No matter what the heat is doing, even if your heat is completely consistent, and my, uh, my contraption is a very consistent, um, I have a thermostat on my smoker, so it keeps the, the, the heat consistent. Even if the heat is consistent, when you're cooking a meat low and slow, it will fail at one point to rise in temperature. And it seems to be sitting there and sitting there no matter how long. And we call this the stall. And the stall can last quite a long time. Uh, it can last an hour, sometimes two. But at some point, even though you don't change the parameters of the cook, the heat's the same, the smoke's the same. At some point, that meat will suddenly break out of the stall and will again start to rise more quickly in temperature. Uh, and if you take the meat out of the smoker before the stall, around 160, uh, what you'll find, you'll have a very tough piece of meat. You won't be able to pull it, which is what generally smoked uh, pork shoulders for pulled pork. You want to get it to a temperature of around 203 to 210 degrees, and then the pork will just fall apart. This tough piece of meat, once it gets to the correct temperature, it will fall apart. And what happens at that temperature is that all of the connective tissue that that is making the that is holding the various muscles together suddenly liquefies. It breaks down. Uh, another word for that is render, right? The, the connective tissue renders just like fat when it gets to a certain temperature. And if you rush the process, if you, go to, if you try to go too fast, then what'll happen is you'll still hit a stall. It'll be a lot shorter. And then, and then you'll go into the rest part, but you won't be able to slow down the cook and it'll overcook and it will become either very dry or very mushy and you won't get the perfect temperature. <coughs> That's the theory behind it. Now, with all theories, there are other variables that come into play. But, but what happens is a, a rookie um, meat smoker will give up in the stall. They'll just take it out too early. The, the time will, you know, they didn't time it right. They didn't leave enough time. They don't understand what's going on. But what a, an expert knows is that the stall is super important because what's happening in the stall is that even though the, the general temperature of the meat is not going up, What's happening is those all of that connective tissue is beginning to liquefy. It's beginning to release its hold on the flesh, on the meat. It's the stall is important for instigating that phenomenon. And so what happens uh, is that 
If you take it out of the stall, then what you get is a very tough piece of meat that doesn't even resemble pulled pork or barbecue pork. But if you're patient, if you realize that the stall <coughs> is building the characteristics that you want in that meat, it's going to make it tender and savory and juicy. That the stall is a very important part of the process. That without going through the stall, uh, the meat would not have the delicious characteristics that you desire in pulled pork. The stall is very important. Even though it seems like the meat is not progressing, there are things happening inside that you cannot see and you cannot detect in any way that is making the meat exactly what it needs to be. I'm sure the metaphor is not lost on you. That's kind of what, even though it rhymes with stall, it doesn't really have a lot in common, but it's kind of, it's kind of similar, right? Because you stall, stall is a, means stop, right? You stall, uh, you stop working. That's what happens when you hit a wall, right? You you stall, you, you cannot make forward progress uh, and it seems like something is wrong but in reality the stall or the wall that you have hit begins building the character you need to be <clears throat> what you want to be <coughs> or let's say what you are meant to be Somebody came to me a couple weeks ago. Well, it was in the it was in the course of a Bible study. And oh, wait, was it? I may be making something up. I'm sorry. I need to wet my whistle. My throat's dry. After a long day teaching. My voice gets tired. Um. <coughs> excuse me. Maybe, maybe not, maybe not. But, but I see this a lot in young Christians. I see that, that people hit a dry spot quite often. People come to a point in their spiritual development where they are not feeling it anymore. It's usually the way it's put. That they don't feel the presence of God. They don't feel anymore the reasons why they go on uh, in this Christian life or why they should go on in the Christian life. And, and if they lose patience at that point, then what can happen is they won't develop the characteristics needed to, to become like Christ, right? To mature into Christ. To grow into Christ, to grow as a Christian. The dry spots, the the <clears throat> sometimes it's called the dark night of the soul, is needed for us to mature properly as Christians. This is why this is why Jesus said to his apostles, it's better that I go. Right? It's better that I leave you. How can that be possible? Think about that. 
How can it be possible that the apostles were better off without Jesus physically in their midst? Their midst. How is that possible? Surely that can't be true. And I'm sure that the apostles were incredulous at that point. Jesus was providing everything they needed. Right? He was he was in so many ways their mother at that point. But he said, you will, you know, greater things you will do. He says, I go to the Father, but I will send the Comforter. I will send, basically he's saying, I will send someone better than me. Because Jesus knew, I think, I believe, Jesus knew that his presence was keeping the apostles immature. They were, they were in a holding pattern in a lot of ways of immaturity. And that unless he left, they would not grow. You know, it's kind of similar, I think, to parenting. I see this very often with kids who don't leave the nest, who live at home their whole lives. Uh, they obviously don't develop certain skills you need to to grow and to mature in, in this world, right? They are dependent, uh, and <clears throat> it does become a problem with people. What helps people mature is leaving the nest and going into the world. It's like a baby bird, right? Eventually, the baby bird leads, leaves the nest. Now, they, they were very um, dependent upon their parents for food and for shelter and protection. But in order for the birds to become all they're meant to be, <coughs> to, to reach their potential, they have to leave the nest. It's quite important. It's an important part of, of the, your personal evolution. Now, it's also not a perfect scenario because we can leave one nest and join another, right? Just as easy. You know, we can, we can become dependent on somebody else uh, in the same way we were on our parents. That's possible. Um, but it's difficult to mature while you're still under the watchful eye of your parents. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm coughing so much. My throat's just a little scratchy. But anyway, I, I wanted to, to make that point that that the wall is, is good if you look at it as such. If you have the patience to know that when you hit the wall, what's actually happening is that you are gathering the necessary nutrients and knowledge and motivation to go forward. That when the wall comes down, you'll be ready. The wall is preparing you for, for next big steps. And we see this in nature in all kinds of ways. 
It's the small steps you take faithfully and often that prepare you to take bigger steps, right? Sports is based on that very principle. Incremental improvement uh, with your accuracy or your stamina or your strength or your agility will eventually accumulate and make you more proficient at whatever you're trying to be proficient in, right? Uh, Small steps taken often and regularly uh, give you the ability to take larger and larger steps. What happens is so many people are held in immaturity. And, you know, I've said this before, just like uh, parents who won't let go of their kids when they need to be out in the world is similar to churches who hold on to their members uh, and and hold them in maturity, in immaturity as well. Keep them from maturing. Uh, Keep them from leadership positions. uh, Keep them from going out into the world and and, uh, planting churches, for example, and all kinds of things they could be doing. But instead, they're, they're kept in immaturity in churches. And this has been one of the principles behind the path that I've chosen. Um, but even so, you know, having said that, we've hit walls as well, you know, in, in house church and church planting and organic church, whatever you want to call it. We're probably at one as we speak. And what's interesting is as we've been at this wall, this current uh, wall with our gathering, what's happened is other people have stepped up and decided to start gathering themselves. Somebody else has stepped up and decided to take leadership because of the absence of us moving forward. Somebody else has decided they're ready to move forward. And that's exactly, exactly what is needed. There can be some uncomfortableness in that, but it's okay. You know, it's fine. Let it be. Just let it be what it's going to be doesn't need to depend on us. Let that happen as it's going to happen. And uh, that's a good thing, right? That's a positive thing. Um, I'm sure there are lots of other metaphors that you could use. (coughs) Excuse me. But that idea of stall right? The idea that when you're making something, uh, there can be times where it seems progress is not being made, but it's exactly the stall or the wall that's needed to make something what you want it to be. Uh, And so the attitude I think we should have when we come to a wall, when suddenly our forward progress has been halted, is, okay, something big is going to be in my future. This is a time that I am to gather resources, to uh, find provisions, uh, to pray, uh, to maybe find team members, or whatever it is. There can be all kinds of things uh, that I think the Holy Spirit can lead you to doing in those times of a lack of forward progress. It doesn't need to be a negative thing. You need to look at it as an opportunity to prepare for great things that can happen in the future. So I'm going to leave this short. I know that's only a few minutes, uh, but I feel like I'm starting to repeat myself a little bit. 
just to fill in time and that's probably uh, not a good thing. So this will be a short thing that I'll try to add to uh, today's uh, podcast. This will be listed as maybe an index or a, a appendix, I mean appendix or an addendum or a mini part two. Anyway, thanks guys. Bye-bye.